Welcome to WTQ. Thank you for joining us, Kel, Julie. Hi, you are the director of Cocoa Butter Oils, based out in the friendly city of Port Elizabeth. And essentially, your goal is to encourage naturalistas to embrace their coils, coils, locks, and kinks, regardless of the age or gender. Why was it so important to start this movement? Because it seems like there's quite a lot of movements in South Africa already. So what makes um, cocoa butter oil so unique? Okay, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give like the back, back, background of, you know, when it started. I think it was about 2017, a, a friend of mine started Cultalk. So cocoa butter coils used to be Cultalk, right? And... Um, few months into it, uh, it was sort of handed over to me and I took it upon me. So somebody else gave birth to the baby. I sort of adopted the baby and nurtured it to, to the point that we are at now. And um, reason being, so for about two years, we were cult talk and I could, I could pick up a lot of ladies going, but we don't all have calls, <laughs> you know, we want to be part of the movement, but some of us have kinky afros, you know, our... Our hair in, doesn't translate in images and, and pictures to having these spiral calls and all of that. So um, I gave it some thought and it, and it took me a while to actually go, okay, so let me sit down and see how I can include uh, a lot more voices, you know, in terms of um, who we represent as this movement. And I then um, decided to, to rebrand it, Cocoa Butter Coils, um, mainly because, you know, kinks and coils can come in any form. doesn't have to be the soft, you know, 3A, 3B, 3C coils, but because also we are African women, our, our Afros come in, in different textures and we celebrate the whole lot of textures and we don't exclude. So the movement here, specifically in Port Elizabeth, um, naturalists were, were missing sort of, you know, that that space to come together and share ideas and share um, tips with each other and just share a space where, where a lot of us could come together and just, you know, have a, have a good time while learning about how to actually handle our hair, you know. So um, for a good while, it was good, fun, great. We are learning stuff and all of that. But the more I thought about it, I thought the, we need to have a bigger impact in, in the broader community. So that doesn't just. No, I was just, I realized that that's why you said earlier, like I, you say you corrected me with the, with the, with the name. <laughs> but no, that's I didn't, fine. That's fine. But I didn't hear that you said coil. <laughs> so what came through was oils on your side also. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 No, I see. I see. No, no, no. It's coil. <laughs> As we know, oils are a big part of the natural um, hair movement. So, yeah. <laughs> but I do but apologize for that. It's cocoa okay. butter coils for everybody listening. I apologize for that. Sorry. Um, but yes, please continue. Okay. So, um, yeah, so like I was saying, for um, a, a good couple of years, um, we we went and had these events where, where mostly women, Mostly women come together, but uh, there were a few men also, you know, 
who came on board with their, their, their beards, you know, and some had locks. And so they beca- became part of this community. So um, as, as, you know, I sat down and I thought, okay, how do I rebrand this to becoming a bit more inclusive and reaching uh, a further community, you know, in, in terms of becoming uh, more socially aware um, of, of what our hair means, you know, not just in the sense of how we look, but politically and, and who we are within our workspaces, in schools, in, in, in um, universities, you know, in churches, you know, that sort of thing, in creative spaces. So then I, I, I sort of adapted from what, what, we, what we were doing and took it a bit further and said, um, you know, let's, let's move into a more conscious space where our, our, our we can identify the politics connected to our hair and the social injustice connected to our hair, but also, you know, how are we raising kids in this time that we are in um, not knowing what the identity is, you know, and a lot of, you know, the song says, I am not my hair, but we are, you know, a lot of, a lot of what people assume is when they look at us, they see certain characteristics and certain traits within yeah. us. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's when, that's when Cocoa Butter Coils became. Uh, and then COVID hit us. <laughs> so then, you know, it sort of put everything at a halt and, and we couldn't, because our first meeting was supposed to be an introduction of the new brand, the new um, sort of stream that our movement is. is so doing. you guys actually just um, rebranded like a minute ago. Yeah, it was. It was uh, within the month of within the month of Feb. We, okay. we rebranded um, March. Our, our, our we sort of started again on on social media because our last event was in 2019. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful event, um, and then. May was supposed to be our our first new event for um uh, for cocoa butter coils yes but yeah. um like I said COVID COVID happened and ah, it sort of put us back girl, a bit. COVID is doing <laughs> COVID. the most. The most. I also want to like thank it because without it I wouldn't have started this part. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Thank you, Coco V. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um. <laughs> So what interested me when I looked at your bio and, and what you guys were doing was that you put up there that it was gender inclusive and um, and I wanted to know if there was a reason, specific reason for that because um, generally when you put up pride flags and things like that, then it means that you well, not generally, it means that you are inclusive of um, the alphabet gang. So um, I, I wondered if the, if the curly movement is sort of maybe for the most part heterosexual and therefore homophobic, transphobic, biphobic, all the phobias. So myself... <laughs> this person, when I tackle something, right, and I become part of a movement, it's it's sort of all or nothing. So if I'm there, 
what I'm going to expose the move, the movement to is what my sort of stances are. And I know like some people say, oh, but you need to separate yourself, you know, from from a brand or from from. But for me, it's like that. If you can make an, an impact deeper than what it just, for instance, this is hair. A lot of people will be like, okay, it's just health and beauty and, and there we go, you know. We'll just have some cocktail evenings and then it's fine. But for me to introduce, uh, say, for instance, the, the gender topic within, um, I had to consciously go, how am I going to do that? How am I going to, how am, how am I going to make trans women within the community who are curly heads feel inclusive within our movement, you know? And I had to consciously do that because if a drag artist is a curly queen, I, she needs to be included, included in, in this movement. So, um, yes, it was a conscious decision. And in the PE community, it was welcomed with open arms. Amazing. Like the one event, yeah, the one event that we had, a, a beautiful friend of mine, Katya, performed uh, she's a drag artist here in PE and Cape Town she she uh, performs there as well so Katya had a wonderful time we had an amazing evening you know so we I like I said I made a decision to to put it up there to say that all ages are included all gender identities are included you know so um there's a lot of exclusion within this movement, which I cannot understand, mm. but it's there. So if I can, if I can create a space where everyone feels safe enough, then so be it. Then I will use this, you know, the small movement that that we have here in PE, which has opened the the idea. We have, I must say, we've we've had grannies, we've had little kids, we've had moms, sisters. So even within age, it's, it's, it's inclusive, you know. We've had many people feel included. And we have asked, you know, if you do feel excluded, you know, raise your hand and say, I, I don't feel welcome in this space and we will, and we will open the space. I love you, that. You That's know, amazing. Like, yeah. That's really cool. And so you see yourself as an ally of um, the LGBTQ a play from AIP plus community. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's cool. What, and whatever I, ally means to... Whatever yeah. ally means. I don't like that means term. to the community, and yeah. <laughs> for the purposes of the conversation. For the purpose of, yes. But also, I just want to make a note that I did say alphabet gang over there and cissed people, that's not for you to use, so please don't. Okay. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I... Um, I want to talk about the some of the discriminatory things um, that goes on in general um, before we like tackle how it is how we sort of how the oppressed op oppressed oppressed people. I want to talk about it in a general consensus. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay, I told you before that I um, I'm not necessarily like. A naturalist. For me, um, my he, it's not super political, you know. Yeah. Um, but I definitely yeah. did. Um, I, I definitely did experience discrimination. Um, 
but it wasn't like it's not something that I would sort of get upset about um, mm. because it didn't happen that often, you know. Yeah. But I definitely yeah. did experience it. So, like when I was a child, called a busman and whatever, mm. um, because my hair. Even though it's soft curls, if you brush the curls out, it's gonna get bushy and wild yeah. and whatever, you know. Um, yeah. And or at work, when I wore my hair curly, one of my friends said that, uh, you, you know, why are you wearing your hair curly? Why don't you straighten it? And it's like, bitch, excuse me, who are you talking to? First mm. of all, secondly, mm. this is my hair. I'm gonna hey. wear it yeah. how I want to. Yeah. Please don't tell me. Yeah. Okay. And she was white. So at that time, I wasn't like, you know, quote unquote, woke. So I didn't take it from a heavily racist perspective, but I did side eye her like a lot. Um, Yeah. And so like, you know, that sort of encapsulates my experience, but I know it goes deeper than that. So Mm -hmm. what would you say was some of the things or, are some of the things that you hear from folks about wearing hair naturally? Okay. So I think uh, one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to natural hair that people don't understand is whether you blow dry your hair or whether you wear it curly, it's still your natural hair. So if a curly head decides to blow dry her hair without using chemicals or like enhancing the, the straightness of her hair with chemicals, then it is still natural. So whether I rock up tomorrow with an afro and the day after that with my hair all blow dried, it's still my natural hair. So it's still mm. in your natural state, right? So, so, so we have all these ideas about what natural hair should be and for 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 a lot of people, especially in 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 South Africa and our communities, when we say natural hair, we would um, automatically think the girl with the soft curl that is on every event poster or on every um, sort of uh, natural hair cocoa oil label bottle. You see, mm. you see a soft beautiful shiny kind of curl loose kind of curl but you yes yes it's long it's long yes so as you can see mine is very short at the moment um another thing a lot of naturalists battle with is the fact that i just want my hair to grow i want it to be long i i need it to be that that wispy curl you know that blows in the wind and all of that but we forget that our textures are there's something you cannot control, you know. Mm. You can mm. control it with, with Botox or relaxer, mm. but um, so, so we have, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have this competition in, in, in a lot of communities, hair communities, um, where, we, where we are like, my hair is not long and curly, um, uh, like a loose skull, so I'm going to rather blow dry it or, or relax it every month so that I don't have to look like I have this kinky, forcey afro, you know, type of thing. And so the what we feed in, in media and, and what we feed ourselves when we go to these natural, like, um, blogs or whatever, 
um, we don't see enough kinky afros. You know, we, I, I have the weirdest texture combination ever. Like it's like it's a 4C kinky afro with like curls, soft curls in between. So, you know, I, I kind of play in between that. Um, but like you say, you know, you get you get the comments where you are like told you need to straighten your hair a bit to look more professional and you know, you 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 look um what's the word? Palatable, mm. you know, within the workspaces or schools and, and stuff in university spaces. You can't sit around a boardroom, you know, with this big afro and whatever. So um my experience with, you know, um what I've been facing throughout my life, my 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 strongest memories of natural hair is remembering high school, you know, when you are in the classroom and you are told you need to look neat and tidy, but you're like, um, I am neat and tidy. It's just that my bun is very high because my hair doesn't fall down, you know, my ponytail doesn't fall down, but hair's out of my face, you know, that sort of thing. And then you go through high school and you're like, you pressure, you, you're pressurizing your mom. You're like, you, you need to straighten my hair. You need to blow dry it, you know. So then you sit Sunday evenings and you, and you Sunday sort of blow evenings. dry. Sunday oh, evenings God. you sit. <laughs> or, like, or like the younger kids, you sit between your mom's legs, yes. you know. And she starts blow <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it took at so, least an hour. So, uh, yeah, you know, so that you can look neat for for school the next day. Um, and then you, you go throughout your high school life not wanting to step out in the rain while the others are running around on the quad, you because know, your having hair a ball of time. Your hair's going to mince. You don't, you don't have a hat with you or a scarf or whatever, so you don't dare go out in the rain or whatever. Or, or there's galas, you know, swimming galas. You, you, you're not going to join in because if you have to jump into the pool now, that swimming cap is not going to save your, your texture. You know, mm-hmm. that blowout needs to, needs to <laughs> land on Friday and then Friday <laughs> the weekend go and swim a bit again. But, you know, it's that sort of thing. So it, it puts a lot of pressure on a, on, a, on a young child, you know, to go through, through their, their school career that way. And then you get to varsity and you're sort of left to your own devices and, and you're also figuring out, you know, and then, then you're sort of shocked that, okay, my hair is kind of accepted here. But, again, you have to have a looser call to be considered the, the pretty girl, you know. Mm, so... Mm. I think uh, I was kind of shocked by my first boss I had when I went for an interview and he looked at me and he said, don't ever do anything else to your hair. Because I, I went in straight as, a, as an art student, you know, my lecturer was like, there's an interview, run into it, you know, don't do it. And I come from art school, so running into that interview with this big afro because you were just busy with some painting or whatever, you know, and being told that, look, you look amazing. that's interesting that's actually an interesting sort of link that you've made there in terms of within the space of being artistic um having an afro or being eclectic or quote-unquote exotic that is what is accepted within the art community whereas if you were a finance student 
um, yeah. or, um, with, or a lab <clears throat> student, you know, a sci- uh, working within the sciences and stuff like that, um, you would be considered unprofessional. And so, yes. like, in, uh, it means that he, our hair is very political because it's, it's saying mm-hmm. what, where we are um, allowed to be and where we are not allowed to be, where we are accepted and where we're not accepted. And so it, it's a means to discriminate against folks, right? And, and, and predominantly mm-hmm. black and brown people who have mm-hmm. this, this textured curls and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so once again, it's racism. It falls within racism and everybody's like oh okay everything is not racist you know like you know just like catch up day like my guy everything is racist yeah in the society that we live in you don't get to say what is racist and what's not racist because you don't experience it and and that goes also for um folks brown folks who have dead straight hair all because you don't all because you are a brown person and you don't experience that sort of microaggression mm-hmm. against your hair yeah. or the way that you wear your hair or the way that it makes you mm-hmm. look um, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. everything is racist, accept it, and then we can move on to do the work to dismantle mm-hmm. it. But so what you were talking about school makes, um, it takes me back to like, okay, so this these behaviors, it permeates through our places of work and our places of school, our, pa- our places of learning. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of um, <clears throat> the, uh, uh, the time when um, Zuleika Patel had, yes. um, you know, had, she basically led a protest, like revolutionally, blah, revolutionary yes. girl um, who is now a woman, because that was back in 2016. Um, I think, mm-hmm. how old was she? She was 15 or 16 at the time. 15, yes. She was 15, I think. She was 15 years old and she led this protest at Pretoria. No, Rock. she was 13, actually. Sorry. 13? Oh. 13, yes. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, she was 13. The babies. Gen A Z. baby. <laughs> Listen, okay. I have a lot of feels about Gen Z at the moment, but... <laughs> For the most part, yeah. For the most yeah, part, they yeah. Strong voices, strong voices, strong voices. But like, they're not supposed to come for us, the millennials. Like, <laughs> come for everybody else. Like, we didn't do anything to y'all. Like, oh, leave us and our avos alone. So, um, anyway. But anyway, so she was 13 years old, and um, she led this protest at her high school, Pretoria Girls High, um, and this mm-hmm. happened in 2016. Um, and, and, and what had happened was that, you know, teachers had told her she, she has this beautiful big Afro Mm -hmm. and, um, the teachers had told her that she needs to wear her more neatly and professionally within the, with, and it needs to fit within the school code of conduct. Conduct. It is not neat. So what are you saying to us? Your conduct Mm -hmm. says that we in our natural state we are not neat. Mm-hmm. We do mm-hmm. not conform to your standards, your Eurocentralized standards okay, yeah. of, 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 of what professionalism and what neatness and what cleanness and what, 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 um, 
yeah what 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 that what that means to be in a space like that you're saying that we don't belong because of how yeah so so we must so we must remember that um predominantly like the previously so-called model c schools their their school of conduct policies and all that was written with eurocentric thoughts you know so it was not for our bodies it was not meant for the black child it was not meant for the black child with the black identity the black hair the black skin you know um and that's me including you know all brown skins black skins within this um conversation that these school policies schools and um codes of conduct was um never written for us Mm. So it's it's an erasure of our identities once we step into those places that when they look at us and they say, well, you are not neat, um, your appearance is not uh, appealing to us, it's then to say, go and straighten your hair, tone it down and, you know, quiet down a bit. Yeah. Uh, because essentially, you know, we get told we are loud, our hair's too much, our, our personalities are all over the show so it's it's basically it was a tool to erase us from those spaces so if you as a as a parent feel like your child is not welcome there what are you going to do you're going to want to take your child out of that space and put them into a space where and they win they feel like they belong you know but then they win exactly then they win but like Zuleika and and the rest of her peers said, no, we will not allow you to erase our identities, our blackness from these spaces. Right. Yeah. So, so. yeah. No, I, I I just also want to clarify for the listeners. Uh, we have listeners not only in South Africa. So I just want to say that like Model C basically, Model C schools basically refer to schools um, uh, pre um apartheid that's it's schools that 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 used to be um completely white and did not accept um children who were black and brown um and and um uh, white white only schools that's what it was net blankers and and so post um apartheid 1994 uh schools were starting to open up to everybody else and so um these are the kind of racist policies that we had to conform to. I just wanted to clarify that uh, for the listeners. <sighs> Girl, it's a lot. It's a lot. That I mean, it's a lot. And as part of this, this, this overarching theme that I'm doing with, you know, talking about racism, the last part was about racism sort of in general, but this, this topic mm-hmm. is so big. And so I think it makes sense to break it down into these little pockets of how yeah. um, discrimination um, and racism, yes. more racism presents itself uh, within mm-hmm. our global community. This is not something that is unique to South Africa. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's everywhere, everywhere, mm-hmm. every single place on this earth that's been colonized, which is basically the world. This the is the it exists. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so we, we, uh, Afro, the theme, the theme is that Afros, dreadlocks, etc. your kinky hair is unprofessional. It's not allowed. It mm-hmm. doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
But on the flip side. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain times when it works, when it's allowed. And that's when it's trendy. But the trend is not with black and brown folks. Yeah. The trend begins with white folks who overwhelmingly have the monopoly on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, no, actually, well, black, black, and mostly black folks use social media a lot more. Um, but when things get like, when when things go viral, it mostly happens with white folks who, um, who who wear, who, who wear our hair, yeah. and then it becomes okay. Then it becomes cute. Yes. And, and, and that's, that's where um, my stance on crediting creatives comes in. Like, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, there's nothing um, original online because we've seen everything. I get that. But if someone is posting a tutorial on doing box braids a certain way that has um, uh, a, new, a new look and feel to it. That makes it easier. Creative. <laughs> yes. Because then that creative can go back and say, but excuse me, you stole my idea as a Caucasian person and sold a whole lot of, I don't know, like views or whatever on your pages, your posts and stuff. So I take, for instance, TikTok. (laughs) I take TikTok, for instance. There's a lot of young black creatives that are, doing amazing things on there. They are so creative and they do not trend, right? So then it gets to your 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 Caucasian creatives and well let me not say creatives, but they sort of take <laughs> that idea and put a, a, a bit of a spin on it, a tiny mm-hmm. spin, and then they get all the credits, they get all the 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 financial gain and that's the issue the financial, I think, that we the, have. The financial capital and the, the financial social capital. G- yes. The social yes. capital, which which is super important in this day and yes. age. Yes. Like, yes, okay, money, yes, whatever. But if you have mm-hmm. a socially, if you can, if you can make people do something, if you have that kind of social um, dominance, yeah, that is where your actual—that's your product, and yeah. so that's something that you, you that you're taking away from someone else. Some from from someone else, exactly. Somebody and black. that's where appropriation comes in. You know, they, when people say, "No, we're just appreciating your culture and all of that," you can appreciate it without the financial gain, without the the social gain. You know, like it's it it has to it ha- you have to be responsible for your actions sometimes and not just go back on yeah but like here's for everyone yeah it's yeah no here's for everyone it's just here it's not just it's here not just it's here. not just here when a guy with locks walks into a firm and he's brilliant his mind is brilliant but he doesn't get the opportunity because he's judged based on what he looks like you know um if a, if a young lady with an afro walks into a modeling agency and says, just like, tone down your look a bit. But in, in, a, in a couple of Vogue magazine covers, you see Gigi Hadid with an afro. 
you know, then it's like, "Mm, isn't she supposed to tone it down? You know, so it's, it's, it's very problematic when our, our natural state of being becomes a trend and is being exploited. And not just that. For financial gain. Yeah. And well, not, 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 not just that, but to add to that, Mm. it is a very, very conscious psychological decision to go natural because we know how much we are discriminated against. And I'm saying we, even though I've said that I don't necessarily, I don't feel the the discrimination um, as much as everybody um, else within the curly community. Uh, but I'm I'm saying we because I am a brown person yeah, yeah. and I and I identify with the struggles. But um, it's a it's a conscious decision to wear dreadlocks. Yeah, it's a conscious decision to wear a big poofy afro. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about afros, and okay, I'm taking this in the American context. I don't yeah. have a context for it in South Africa um, with, with regards to the Afro, but the Afro in America, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a symbol of the black power movement. Yeah. And you from say the black, black Panthers from and, the black yeah. Panthers. Yes. And if you say black power, people start going ape. Good. Yeah. They think it's the same as white power. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it's it's too completely. It's like it's chalk and cheese, and yeah. um, and and so you in today's day and age, you walk around with an afro. The Black Panthers are globally renowned, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know what that symbolization means, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a psycholo- It's a it's a. It's a conscious decision to decide to put yourself in the line of fire is what yes. I'm trying to say. Yes. When a guy decides that he's going to wear his dreadlocks to the wonderful, magical, white firm, financial, yeah. wear firm, whatever it is, he's going to wear his dreadlocks to this firm in a fine suit and some bomb air shoes and with his laptop on his arm and you know, he's every picture of professional. Yeah. Yeah. He walks into his firm as to deal with whatever discrimination goes on with, with within that firm. Mm-hmm. But when he walks out of that firm, he's now at the end of the day, he walks out onto the street and he has to deal with the whole world now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he can't he doesn't know if he's going to walk out onto the street, if that's going to be his last day because they don't see the suit. They don't see the shoes. They don't see the laptop. They see a man with dreads and he's dangerous. And so So like you say, it's a, yeah. So, so it's not just uh, what I'm trying to say. It's not just about like, it's just he, it's, it's not, it's a psychological thing. It's like, I, I can like feel it in my chest. It's, it's, it's a psychological mm. thing that we have to go through. Um, we mm. we can't. It's not just me. It's a political stance to say I want to be as natural as possible, yeah. and you can't take this away from me. But I know that you can because you ran the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So you can't, you can't, we never switch off, right? So as, as black and brown people, we can never switch off when it comes to the microaggressions that we face daily. So we walk, we walk into a workplace. The first, no, even before that, you wake up in the morning, you consciously go, okay, today, what am I doing with my hair? Because I know I'm walking into some sort of boardroom meeting or some sort of meeting with whoever it may be, the CEO or, you know, whatever it is. So you have to mentally and emotionally prepare yourself before you even leave your house, right? So this gentleman with his locks, the lady with the afro, the other lady with the kinky curls, you know, um, what is it that you do mentally? You prepare yourself before you even leave the house. You walk into that workspace and you sigh out and you go, right, who am I tackling today? Who am I taking on today? Am I taking on John or am I going to be quiet, stay out of his way so I can get to my deadlines, right? So you prepare yourself mentally and emotionally throughout the day. You cannot take out the locks. You cannot brush down the afro in that instance, you know, like like Gigi Adid can throw some water on her hair and it goes flat again. I will have to face the world with my afro each and every day. Um, the gentleman needs to face the world with his locks, you know. The kids at school, um, their braids, you know, they have to face the world and they have to face these people making judgments of them before they've even said the first word, right? So you battle, for instance, myself, I'm in a university space um, as a young brown woman, you know, you battle so many things daily that a, a Caucasian colleague would not battle, mm. right? You, you, you are not taken seriously because one, you are young, two, you are woman, three, you're brown, four, you're natural, you know? So you've got all these levels that you have to battle and then you leave, like you say, you leave the workspace and you go into a supermarket where you have to pick up things for supper, and then you face it there as well. Do you need help? Like for the third time in a row, no, I don't need help. I just need to get soup or whatever, you know, so I can get home to go and cook. Or following so you while the, you're in the shop. Or... Following you while you're in the shop. Yeah. And the weirdest thing for me, my experience was um, as, a, as, a, as a young woman, you know, before I was married, um, to walk through the aisle that is meant for you, the natural hair aisle, and then you walk through there and, and you watched and you're like, oh, I don't understand. You made this aisle specifically for me with products that is for my hair, but I'm still being watched, you know. So it's those sort of battles also that you you. You can't take off your hair to go off to, to the shop and then come back home, put your hair back on and, you know, face life again. So it's, it's, it's those sort of bat battles that you that you deal with as a naturalista and then you battle within your own community, you know, the, the levels of how long or short your hair is, right. how curly or kinky it is. So you've got so many battles to deal with. And like you say, it's a conscious decision. It's not something we take lightly. We do not walk around so that 
someone can come up to you and just put their hands into your hair and say, you know, oh my word, look at your afro, you know. You're like, dude, I've spent hours washing my hair, combing, oiling, moisturizing, and here you come up and just grab my hair, which is another, for me personally, it's such a violent act. I am not a zoo animal. Don't come up to me and just pick me like, you know, like I'm some bear or whatever. So it's those different levels of aggressions that we face. So like you say, this conscious decision, we mentally have to prepare ourselves because we we made the decision to go natural, but also not to go natural, but to some reverted back to it. And some is just loving the natural state since the day they were born. Mm. You know, so there's even even that, you know, differentiation between those who have been natural all their lives and those who have somehow reverted back. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned it earlier and I think it's, it's appropriate to delve into that aspect of it now. Like in general, we have to deal with these um, microaggressions around us um, from, from everybody else. But when we create safe space or quote unquote safe spaces for ourselves, um, they can often turn violent within themselves yeah. as well, and 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 yeah. and it, and it's it, it comes from a sort of elitism within yes. the curly circles, and and weaponizing terms like "cruz," which mm-hmm. is a derogatory term um, to indicate that somebody's hair is very very kinky. Um, yeah. it's, it's like, uh, people used to liken it to like steel wool, you know, yeah. the stuff that you scrub yeah. the pans with and stuff like that. And it, it was, it's, it's so, um, demeaning and hurtful. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, yes, my hair is like that. So what? So what? What so about what? it? So what? And I think if, if I look at a, a very good friend of mine, she has turned that word into she's used her brand which is curl corp society you know she has used that word within her brand to, to turn it around you know and to say yes my hair is cruz and kinky so what so what i'm my texture is not your texture yours is not mine so mm. i mean like uh, we we can we can attest to this as kids we've been called those ugly words and and we've grown up with the word cruz to mean something very ugly, you know. Um, I think it's only in recent years that I've gone and said, so what if my is cruz? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna label it as something ugly as as you would, you know, or the next person would, but sort of reclaiming the term. Cruz. Yes, reclaiming the term. And I know and I know a lot of a lot of people don't want to and and that's completely fine as well. Mm. You know, you don't you don't have to feel comfortable with what mm. I feel comfortable with. I'm mm. going to reclaim that word. Taking and the power myself, away from it. Yeah, yeah. To hurt to, you. If you are if you are called a cruiscope, that's fine. For me, call me a cruiscope. I do have cruci, you know, but I can blow dry it and then it's not so cruci anymore. But once I walk into the rain, it goes Hi. back to the cruiscope. exactly so so yeah like um the words the words that that have been connected to 
to, I mean, I looked at some of the comments um, in the group and, you know, being called a Kruskop Busman, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's, it, it breaks people down. It, I have had, I've had had inboxes of women going, you know what, I cannot stand it when someone calls me that and they've been hurt by it and been hurt by 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 family, you know, family members who, who has called them that because they chose not to blow dry their hair. Mm. And it's uh it's an ongoing it's an ongoing battle. Mm. I think a lot of a lot of I, I think if I if I have to to be specific now and and I'm not again excluding other genders, but for a woman, a, a black and a brown woman, the the levels of of battles we have to fight is when it comes to our identity is, is can mess with you, you know, and it takes a toll on you and you, and you, and you battle to do, to get to a point where you're positive about mm-hmm. what you look like. Mm. And that, and that has to, and that has to do with, with skin types as well. The colorism within the, the natural hair movement mm. is so yeah, rife. The two for know. me sort of work together very well yeah. because generally, if you're lighter, you also have a looser strand. Looser, and yeah. if you are darker, you generally have yeah. a very tighter coil, right? Yeah. Um, a, a, or, or coil, and oh, um, the two for me go together. I know there are certain deviations, but the two for me go together. And that goes mm-hmm. towards the whole light skin, dark skin. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, that's the colorist thing within yeah. um, the community. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it starts with skin tone. And he is a part of that conversation of skin tone yeah. um, and, and, and tight or loose coils or curls. I mean, we we grew up hearing family members saying, "Oh, you need to find a husband that is lighter than you, mm. that has straighter hair, so that your kids could at least have some sort of loose curl." You know, you you grow up hearing those things, and um, like like you say, like it goes it goes hand in hand. This this sort of what what the what your skin tone is and what your your hair type, and if you don't fall into into the correct you know, skin tone level or whatever, you then get asked to marry someone who is lighter than you, who has better textured hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he knows lips, lips, eye color. Yeah. All of the things that black and brown people are, that's who we are. <laughs> that's how we look. Yeah, yeah. That's how we look. That's how we look. And and most of us are very conscious about those things as well. You know, we those are the things that make us, but also that, you know, you sort of shy away from, from it as well. You don't want to, like, for instance, when I gained a bit of weight, you know, my hair last year, my hair was like super long, you know, it was, it was a huge afro. So I'd use it to hide my face, to hide my cheeks, to hide my nose, you know. So you shy away and you have to get to the point where you're like, okay, let me get rid of something so that I can actually start appreciating my flat, round nose, my huge cheeks, you know. Um, so it's a constant battle between uh, being being proudly natural 
but then once you once you become so determined to be proud of your hair you you sort of see the other things that you're trying to shy away from mm. so holistically so holistically we need to approach this whole natural thing with with body positivity as well and that mm. is also another thing another thing we try to focus on here was um in cocoa butter oil yeah a lot of the 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 marketing material that we sent out for our events would showcase a, a broad you know spectrum like every type of woman would be on there or man or child you know or non binary person there would be someone who looks like you that you can relate to you know that is not just um and i'm not harping on light skinned people with loose goals no be proud of who you are you know embrace it but there are also young dark skin beautiful kinky coiled girls that also want to be you know represented in 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 some way and and um a lot of the times they are not they know, are they're not shown in 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 media they aren't and it's like the conversation of light skin dark skin is so heavy because i mean i don't know if we should have that discussion but yeah that's that also like a huge huge discussion it is, is but i and i have a yeah. lot of feels about it because on the one end yes light skin people are basically the white people of um black people yeah but to what end do we continue to badger and hurt light skin people as if they don't have yeah um yeah. discriminatory practices against mm-hmm. them as well or racist or experience mm-hmm. racism mm-hmm. um and and so yes of course call out like people but like can we have this conversation in the context of recognize your privilege yeah. that's it and i don't yeah. think that that's a difficult conversation to have if you can yeah. say like hi you know you black you know you're getting mm-hmm. racism so obviously mm-hmm. you can understand that if i tell mm-hmm. you if i stand next to you and i am dark skin um wide nose thick lips um kinky yeah. coils if i stand next to you who is light skin green eyes um moderately thick lips like the yeah and that everybody wants nowadays basically mm-hmm. and um and a smallish nose you are going to be looked on um, more favorably for a job for yes. um yes. for you know whatever it is that we need to do to get on yeah. it um yeah. recognize that you have that privilege but how how uh, is it necessary for us to continue to badger like you know on social media there's all this like this yeah. is how light skin dudes look when they're trying to do this yeah. and it's we having fun no funny. and 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 that's exactly it that's exactly it we should not hop on the person itself or the or the personalities but rather the privilege connected to being light skin you know um the privilege like you said you know you you standing next to someone who is darker than you that has um attributes that is that is not necessarily you know that's palatable you know like that 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 uh, i mean look at the conversation that happened around the i think it was cavendish the the billboard that was up there was some 
um, influences that were on there and nobody where, where could really, um, in Cape Town. So there was, so there oh, was, um, wait, is that the one at Canal Walk with Nadia? Canal Walk. Yeah. Yeah. Nadia so I don't want to mention names, but what's the other one? The modest, what's the face blog? Not the modest I, blog. I, I don't How know the names. That's why I didn't want to. What I mentioned. But anyway, yes, I know that um, one. It's been up yeah. for a minute. So you, so you see, so we have a lot of a lot of um, uh, influences in 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 South Africa, right? That or or even in the Western Cape that could have been used because the the conversation that was happening online was where are we? Mm. We we see these beautifully built light-skinned women with very nice hair, but I don't see myself as another Cape Townian um, who is a bit rounder, who doesn't have light, that light skin or that nicer hair. You I know, have to say, then, I like cringed every time I saw that billboards and stuff, like, because I frequent canal walk. And um, it's such like, it's such a... It's like we say, so, first of all. <laughs> so, so media says, so media says, okay, so we ask for more representation of brown women in right. spaces, right? We ask for this, but then you still go and do something that is towards the lighter side of, right. you know, that, that looks a bit more like a Caucasian and not necessarily the, the, the Why other did they side have to of, have of two that Muslim speak? women in the Why did they have to have I mean two I don't think Muslim I don't women? think that's No no that's no no listen to me no, let yeah. me finish Two Muslim okay. women who are both light skinned both have straight hair and then one a shade darker than them with loose curls Yeah that you you're sending a message here Yeah and it's not cute. And, and 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 as someone who is in a privileged position, who is exposed a lot in the media, you could kind of go and, I mean, hustle for your bag, girl, secure the bag by all means, but make space for others to, you know, go, you know what, I can sit this one out, I can, I can grab the next bag, but let my sister with the, with the Afro come in and, and it's not about giving handouts to charity. Use your privilege to advocate. Use your privilege to advocate. Make space for other women or other men or other non-binary people that you know could need that sort of, you know, bump into the right direction. Who's been hustling hard and who's been creating content, you know, and that's where your privilege, your privilege comes in where, you know, I... I, I look like everyone else that's already been exposed by media. So let me let me give someone else a chance, you know. Mm. Let me have them secure the bag and 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 sort of look after themselves type of thing. So I think that's where the conversation about privilege should come in and not necessarily the people who are there. Because it's fine. Go ahead. You've worked hard. We know this. We've you've we've seen you work hard and you've been hustling. But use your privilege when you can and make space for others to come into 
you know, themselves and 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 expose themselves a bit more. It's also know? interesting because I don't think that kind of billboard would have flied in Joburg. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a totally different, it would have been a totally different conversation, you know, it would have been a totally different conversation. And then such a billboard here in PE, I, I don't think we'll even see something like that. Of here. course not. We are and still, we're still trying to even get to that point where, where we have some sort of representation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and for those who are listening, who aren't familiar with the uh, locations, um, the reason yeah. why I had mentioned like Joburg would be different and would probably be predominantly black is because Joburg, who, that is the, or Johannesburg, which is the um, economical hub of South Africa, blackness thrives there. Um, mm-hmm. in a way that it doesn't in yeah. the country of Cape Town. Yeah. And, the Republic um, of Cape Town. The Republic of Cape Town. And um, and so you could probably say, like, you know, I use Americanisms because, like, most of us understand and know what happens in America because they have the monopoly of media, in a sense. But... Mm-hmm. Um, in America, you could liken Johannesburg to basically Atlanta in America, mm-hmm. which is um, a, a place for uh, blackness to thrive as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people get really rich there and it's, and it's great. So, and, and that's not to say that there isn't um, also, you know, places yeah. of, uh, of, of extreme poverty, in both Atlanta and Johannesburg, like so, yeah. in Johannesburg, there's definitely your white suburbs and your black townships. Um, but it's just it's just different in Cape Town. Cape Town is racist, y'all. Cape Town, <laughs> which is in the Western Cape, in the Republic of South Africa, we live <laughs> in basically the Alabama. Of, no, 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 sorry, not Alabama. Alabama is Urania. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, okay, what can we be? We are, what are we? No, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Texas, maybe? Texas? That's, yes, that's a good one. Could be Texas, yeah. Texas with a New York flair. <laughs> with a New York flair, yeah. Yes, yes, actually, actually. <laughs> Or oh, California, actually, California. It takes us with the California flea. California flea. Although California is also very racist. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's racist everywhere. We said that already. But anyway, Cape Town, um, yeah, that billboard would not have flown over in Joburg. And it's because they want to continue to push this. Media is not separate from what happens politically within mm-hmm. our spaces because those who are involved with all these um, companies, these the properties, the malls and all of that, they are the same people who fund, um, you know, the, the huge media houses who are also houses, involved yeah. within the political spaces. And so it's, it's not, it's, none of these things are separate from each other. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's go back to <laughs> discrimination within the goal community. Yeah. 
Okay. And yeah. and we spoke about the light skin. We spoke about the, 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 the coal versus coil. And I, I think that's why I didn't get so involved within the curly community because I saw how they didn't want to talk about race and stuff like that. Um, and the minute you touch them on their studio, it's like, ugh, it's, it's just like, you're not for the movement. You, you're here to cause divisiveness. Yeah. You don't want to bring everybody together. And it's like, can't you see that you are excluding people by saying the things yeah. that you are saying, by doing the things that you are doing? So that in itself is divisive. Calling it out is divisive. Yeah. And it's like, it just lends itself to the same yeah. theme of racism. It's just another extension of racism, you know, uh, that you don't, you use the same arguments they use against you. Yeah. So I think within the, from what I've noticed, the those who don't want to speak about, you know, these different things that's happening within the movement itself. It's sort of like a kumbaya mm. moment, rainbow nation. We are fine. We don't have to talk about these things. It's all about hair and beauty and it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, race or classism or sexism or anything like that, you know? So like you say, um, seeing, seeing the conversation of, of race in within the hair movement um, as divisive. Uh, it's because they, I think it's because they don't want to, to crack this little perfect picture or little egg that's already been, you know, sort of everyone sitting on it and cushioning it and being like, okay, it's just a pretty movement. Don't make it anything political or, or anything like that. You know, and I think it's very dangerous when you do that because then your your teachings and, you know, uh, it doesn't give tools to those who are being oppressed within their spaces. Then there's no tools for young women to, or young men or non-binary individuals to go, I don't really know what to say when someone is, you know, being racist towards me in the workplace or I'm not getting a promotion because of my hair. We need to know that there, there's stuff that, that there's, there's HR that will look out for us, you know, when, but, but, but people aren't aware of these things because, you know, okay, fine, I'll tame my hair, I'll, I'll relax it just so that I can look professional in the meetings and stuff like that. But when, when we are conscious and made conscious of our holistic being as black individuals or brown individuals, then we know how to stand up for ourselves in these oppressive spaces. But if you just, if you are not using, and I'm not saying every gathering, I'm not saying every teaching should be a political space. I'm not saying the movement should just revolve around that. I'm saying avail the spaces for, for people to go, okay, here's my hair. It's beautiful, yes, I adore it. I look absolutely amazing. But when I do go in oppressive spaces that I do know how I am equipped to, to, to battle those spaces, you know, I'm, I can take on someone who just wants to come into my space and touch my hair. I, I can take on someone who goes, you know what, you're not ready for that promotion. But you know for a fact you are, but they're only doing it based on your looks. 
you know so it's 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 those kind of conversations that i think a lot of naturalists are robbed of mm. you know you know the, the the conversations around capitalism classism because capitalists are thriving they are thriving on the natural hair movement because we believe that you are only going to have those calls if you have certain products it's rubbish it's rubbish we are spending ridiculous amounts of money on things that we don't need you know um we are constantly fed um these narratives that if you want a certain look that this blogger or that influencer is feeding you that you are going to look this way if you use this product but not knowing that that product is not healthy for your hair it will do nothing to your coil your texture it, it, it doesn't it doesn't there's no there's no balance you'll find no need for it you know so so naturally says of are spending huge amounts of money on on products that are not meant for them but because these blogs these vlogs um these influencers on instagram are selling these products they get paid to tell you that. what to do exactly. and i they're getting it, sponsored i don't know what you guys call it but i call it the kink tax yeah yeah is that what it's called yeah well i mean not not to my knowledge but you know i i i i hear what you're saying yeah it's a new thing it's a thing now yeah let's just do that yeah. it's a king tax i coined it king tax tm hey <laughs> <laughs> tm yeah so like you'll you'll find these influencers having all these products and because now and i myself fell into that trap don't even be mistaken you 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 have been natural for years and you've been using what you've been using and you've been looking amazing but then you fall into the trap because now your this device is in your hand and you're constantly being fed because you go to every blog you go to every vlog and you view these things and you check but oh my word this woman's collection of products is so amazing i need to have each and every and you become you become so despondent because your hair is not reaching the point where you think it should be because you saw a certain picture mm. and then we are not taught that actually your texture doesn't go with this product and my thing is always this if you go as natural natural as you possibly can if you can find things within your household in your kitchen cupboard that will work for your hair then do so just stay away from sulfate Yeah. shampoos and conditions and do you guys at in your um community do you or at your events and things like that do you have those kind of discussions where you say like this is what works for 4c this is what works for 3b this is what works yeah. for you know whatever yeah. ever you know so Because- our last event we 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 made it we we made it very clear about every event though but like a last one we made it very clear that look it's not one um size fits all when it comes to products and hair we have an amazing young woman here she's a businesswoman here in port elizabeth her name is weza and she makes her own products at home and she's got a huge huge following here in p so we we've had we with every event that we tackle we try and have um someone for for every hair type so when you come to our events if you whether you are 3a 3b 3c 
for a for you know wherever you are on the spectrum someone will be there to show you how how you can cut your hair how you can stretch your hair without heat um which products you can use natural products that you can use which to stay away from you know how to handle your hair when you need to do pr- protective styling you know so we we try not to sell a dream of these amazing um one fits all one size fits all kind of products you know we try and steer away from from going you need to have an expensive um shampoo or conditioner or moisturizer or leave-in conditioner or pre-poo conditioner thing we 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 try and stay away from those things and give you the simplest tools because we know within the communities that we live in we are not all on the same level of income mm-hmm. we are not all middle class and even middle class you can't afford some of these products you know so even within the community there's this thing of i must have x y and z when it comes to certain products and then you know you sit there with someone who is Uh, the only breadwinner winner in a household of five and they're like i would really love to be natural but i can't afford these products you know so even within within that this whole classism and and, and all of that that's another battle that you know you kind of face but mm. um these things are not spoken about these things are not spoken about because uh someone out there is trying to make money off of um black and brown women and they hear and not giving them the simplest tools to to sort of deal with the with the with their battles when it comes to how their hair should look mm mm yeah i love that you take such a holistic approach to it it's not <laughs> in this sense it makes sense oh no 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 sorry i'm taking it a, it's not just the <laughs> it's not just it's a livelihood it's not just a, yeah it's our livelihoods like we have to look we have to look at that the person itself the individual you know you can't just you can't just you can't just paint this picture of everyone's the same everyone can afford the same sort of products everyone comes from the same household you know everyone's in a privileged position it's, it's not the same thing not everyone can do that so when when you try and put out when we try and put out um content um to our followers it's sort of it's neutral you know it's not that hey go and buy this product type of thing no how how can you get the results that you need with your hair type and your income you know what do you have what do you have at your disposal you know mm. it's it's so we try and we we try and approach it um taking in um every aspect of your life if i can put it that mm. way mm. and even religion you know um locks locks is a very relig- religious statement for a lot oh, of and it's the and it's the 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 yeah like you know so um that's why when 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 certain people grow their locks it's a conscious decision like you said right. because it, it's their connection with the spirituality um not not maybe maybe not um religion but spirituality you know so there's um there's a lot of people that wouldn't cut their hair because of their spirituality so there's there's a lot of things you have to be um 
conscious, uh, conscious about, about mm. conscious about when you when you go into a, a natural hair movement you can't just go into it looking at oh, well that's my approach to it you can't just go into it looking at this is the the one size fits all type mm. of thing you have to look at people's livelihoods who they are where they you know what kind of spaces they they are in and yeah so mm. Yeah. Look, we we we're having a an amazing discussion over here, and I'm 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 so grateful because like this is really unpacking it. You know, I, I wanted to do I want to do a podcast that is like quite heavy, but like this is a perfect way to do it. If you tackle like um a certain thing yeah. within our experience, for example, like hey, yeah. you can then yeah. branch on into so many different yeah. aspects of. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what is the kind of discrimination that you as a person of color, you as a black person, you as a brown person, w- what do you experience? Mm-hmm. And um, we're we reaching the end of the pod, but mm-hmm. um, there's two more things that I'd like to cover. And I think, like, I want to talk about some of the stereotypes that we um, experience. So you mentioned earlier with, um, you know, it's a it's a conscious decision to grow your locks because of your spirituality or or your religion, and that made me think of like, yeah, not every person that has locks is a rasta and smokes yeah. weed, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So if you're gonna be all like, hey, Bob Marley to somebody, that's offensive. Mm. That's offensive. That's very offensive. Like I, I think of, I think of of people that I've met that um, that have locks, you know, and and don't necessarily practice Rastafarianism um, uh, to the point of of um, smoking marijuana as a sort of connection between your, your you know, you and your your your, your spirituality, but. It's more so the lifestyle that they love, that they don't believe in cutting their hair. And when they do, it's a huge decision because then, you know, uh, it's that feeling of do I then cut off my spirituality with it because they feel like the spiritual, there's a connection with their hair, you know. It's 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 that sort of thing. So um, oh, I think I lost myself there for a second. No problem. We were talking about the, to, <laughs> the stereotypes. Of, yeah, the stereotypes. Um, what yeah. we experience. So what are some of the, the stereotypes? And and that's a big example. But what are sort of yeah, like that, smaller examples maybe that you have experienced that you can think of? Yeah. Where you like, okay, this is like a, a dangerous stereotype. And like, I think like one of the biggest ones is that people who wear natural hair, they're lazy. They don't want to work with it. Oh my gosh. I was just about to get into that. So when um, people see your Afro, it's it's automatically, oh my word, you are so untidy. You don't brush your hair. You don't wash it. Um, does it smell bad because it doesn't look combed? You know, it's those type of stereotypes that, you know, when, when, when someone sees you with uh, your your bush out like your hair is just all over the show, not knowing that you spend three four hours, <laughs> you know, doing a pre doing the the combing out, doing the protective styling, all of that, and then 
sort of sitting with no heat on your head, but trying to get it dry. And then the next morning you walk out with this amazing, beautiful Afro. uh, And then someone comes up to you and says, oh my word, you look like the lazy type. You look so untidy. You know, it touches a person on your studio, you know, like you... (laughs) Like you immediately go into like fight mode because damn it, can't you see that I've spent all this time? I'm smelling like cocoa butter and and all these luscious oils and now you're telling me that I'm I'm lazy, you know. So that's one of the, the stereotypes that, that I've always gotten was like you're you look like a lazy person. Um, it's quite hectic because freaking, when someone... I look freaking after, amazing. <laughs> exactly. And normally when you walk past someone with an afro, you get a whiff before they even like, approach you, right? So what are you even a talking tropical about? tropical goddess walking past you. And not just the smell. Okay, first of all, the smell should indicate that I'm not cheap, Henny. Or that like, I don't her. have money. You know, you know, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's this notion that, that if you don't sit or if someone doesn't see your hair straight, that you, you haven't spent hours um, blow drying it or, or, or sitting in under a hot um, dryer, you know, so you haven't spent much time with it so that you, that you are lazy or you're unclean or you, you know, untidy, um, so uh, it's that sort of stereotype, um, or like even uh, even if you if you think about it, like the the not just connected to to Rastafarianism, but like as an art student, I mean back in back in my day, um, you constantly being asked, um, "Do you smoke weed? Look at your hair. You know you must smoke weed. You know you're an art student. Like look at you. You know." So it's it's those type of stereotypes that can follow you into the boardroom and people don't take you seriously because they've heard so many people call um, girls out with or, or women out with, with, with Afros or men with Afros. They call them out to say, like, um, you must be some untidy person, you know, uh, not knowing that we take pride in our hair. We, we spend a lot of time and effort and a lot of people spend a lot of money on their hair and on, on how they look. That takes me to that um, the self-made that's on Netflix. I don't know if you've watched yes. it. Have you watched yes. it? Yes. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I also loved it, although I didn't like the modern music set in and mm. old. I hate it when people do that with people. Like it was with, weird. It, it, was it, weird. it takes you out yeah. of the time capsule that's, yes. that they've created. I hate it. Okay, but okay, okay, okay. I'm not a critic um, <laughs> or professional within the yeah. industry. I'm just letting you know. That's letting you know. <laughs> Stop doing that. Um, but yes, so um and 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 her story, what was her name again? I forgot you. My memory is trash with names. Um I also can't remember her name. But her story was basically that um she started off with her hair actually having fallen out and it made her so yes. self-conscious. Yes. She yes. was so stressed out. She had a man who was trash as all men are. 
Madam <laughs> C.J. Walker. Yes, that's her. And um, and so like she started with with like she knew that her hair is her pride, even though in the time frame that we are talking about, her hair will definitely have uh, being discriminated against white people. Yeah. And whatever. But like, it still is a sense of pride for her. It is a sense of pride for yes. us as women. Why? So then why do you, um, black men, uh, white men, white women, whoever you are who continue to oppress us, um, um, why do you try to make it seem as if we don't take care of ourselves when we are the ones taking mm-hmm. care of the nation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at, look at, you take her, for instance, like um, Madam C.J. Walker, right? She was the first, um, I hate using the word female, but like female self-made millionaire in America. She she took care of so many people. She made jobs for people out of here. And I mean to be to be stereotyped as lazy because you you have natural hair. And I mean a lot of people. I, I hate that meme that says um, you know. Uh, so what do you do to get your hair curly? And people are like, uh, no, I just add water. No, we don't. Don't speak lies. We don't just add water to get curly hair. There's a lot of work that goes into it. It's a conscious decision to be natural. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. We don't just add water. We braid our hair. We sleep on with the duck. We have the silk pillows, you know, so that there's no friction. There's no frizziness and all of that. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. And so the, and the, for that and, and stereotype um, to exist is... Yes, absolutely. And and buying wigs, for example, is also yes, like, yeah, yes. it's a stereo- stereotype of like, no, that's a protective style. And that's a I- protective style. Yes. And we like it. It's I love cute. my wig. I love my, I've got a curly wig that I'm absolutely crazy about. And it protects my hair. Well, when it was a little longer, but like, um, yeah, so so let me uh, let me just go into why my hair is short now. Just just quickly, quickly. So oh, they, last they year, often call it the big chop, right? The big chop, yeah. So I've I've had in the last four years probably four big chops, and it's just because at some point in my life I am bored with my hair and I try something new. So I I thought, okay, for my wedding last year I was gonna do wispy beach curls which I which I did but I only got to do that if I relaxed my hair now I'd be like some people would be like why would you do that why would you spend so much time growing your hair and then being you know past your shoulders into this beautiful afro and then you go and relax it one because it's my hair any natural curly girl who chooses to chop her hair off, even though it's long, or relax her hair, even though it's long and she starts over, it's, it's a journey that she chooses to go on. So if I choose to, during this lockdown, my hair was like three different colors, I think. Mm. I I would color it for a week and then I'd chop it off again and color it and chop it. So it's, it's a decision that I make myself. You know, so there's no laziness attached to, to uh, for me personally, like in this movement, I don't think there's any laziness attached to it. Once you do become tired of doing it, then you choose to chop it off or you choose to go to the hairdresser. 
and have it, you know, straightened and blown up in the river. And again, that is that person's decision to do so. You can always and, revert to, back to, to being natural. And I love that you're saying that is your decision. And that takes choice. me to, yes, it's your choice. And that is like a key tenet of feminism. Exactly that. It's exactly, it needs to serve you. And, and if you, like you say, you have to be conscious about what, you, what you're saying. Like, I know I'm going to cut my hair and then I'm going to grow it out and I'm going to start this journey again. I'm going to give myself time. And the process that you go through when you grow your hair again is something so very enlightening for me. Like, like a lot of things like that, I forget how I am when my hair starts growing again the impatience, you know, you have to, you have to learn to be patient again. You have to learn to not compare yourself to other, other women that don't necessarily look like you and you go, Oh, I just want Terrence Coles. I want her smooth look. I want that, you know, the, the comparison, the comparisons, that type of thing, you, you need to let go, you know, of, of that type of thing. And I think yeah. the, the journeys that you go through with your hair, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And, and I think you learn a lot through those, those phases of, of frustration. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of growth that goes with the choices you make as a, as a naturalist. I guess. Consistency, 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 consistency. Is key, honey. Is key. There's so much more that we can go into. I don't know. Yeah. Do we have time for one more thing? We we can try. We can try. <laughs> okay, cool. We've got time. Okay, so somebody had brought up into the group. They haven't, unfortunately, they haven't um, yet put out the thing. And this is the What's the Quarantine group um, on yeah. Facebook. So if you are on Facebook, please join the group. We talk about, um, you know, all these, things uh, on previous pods um but we also share things like you know things that we are going through and things that um are you know coming through for future pods we also have previous guests coming in to um share the journey for example gabe does sorry i'm doing a mini promotion here but (laughs) but gabe comes in you know gabe from episode what was it I think 10 or 9, we Gabe actually does the T-shots and put, mm. um, um, puts it up in the group and stuff. And that's the one chance that you have to ask Gabe about anything. But anyway, basically, come to the What's the Quarantine group. There's things happening there. The reason why I brought it up was because, um, and that's on Facebook, was because um, a white woman, she says that she wanted to give her views as a hairstylist um, who works in the fashion and advertising industry. Um, and she says that it's an uphill battle getting hairstylists to respect ethnic hair at events like fashion weeks and et cetera, et cetera, yeah. like major media um, events. And unfortunately she hasn't expanded on that. The reason why mm. is because I asked that everybody first give their consent to yeah. um, a white person who wants to insert themselves on an issue that is quite specific to yeah. an experience that happens with mm-hmm. uh, black and brown folks. 
And so um, I'm very grateful to them for, or to her for first asking. But anyway, so she hasn't said that. But do you, ha- I know my, we have experience going to hairdressers and if you call in, you sound colored, you sound black on the phone and they be like, I don't work with ethnic hair. Hair, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, um, bitch, I ain't ask what you work with. I'm going to pay money. I'm going to pay money. Oh, ciao. It, it gets me upset. It actually gets me upset. But so yeah. we, so this is the kind of things that we experience within like even getting our hair done. Done. Yeah. What's yeah. your feels around um, that? So I can honestly say that I've had, um, with my big chops, right, um, it's going to sound very, very bizarre, but the only times I could get appointments for my big chops, the two that I did do at the salon, was with a Caucasian stylist. And uh, she was very eager. She, um, she was like, come in, you know. Um, I sent her a few pictures and and it's only because the first time I went, it's only because I couldn't get an appointment anywhere else and I was becoming very frustrated with my hair. And I sent her a picture and, you know, she was like, no, come in. We'll do it. Come, just come in. And I walked in and I saw two colored ladies doing it and I thought, okay, I see. You're going to put me on to them. And she's like, come, get into my seat. Let's do this. Explain to me. And... I was blown, I must be honest with you, I was blown away. She took a good 20 minutes to talk to me about my hair. She didn't just start cutting. She respected me enough to go, can I touch your hair? Can I feel your texture? Can I see how we're going to go about this? I love that. Um, So I must be honest with you, I've had a positive, I've had a positive experience when it comes to my big chops. Um, with the specific lady in the specific um, hair salon um, that she, and she did an amazing job. My hair grew so fast. Um, I was very impressed. That's why I went back a second time. Um, so um, she did a, she did a sort of style with my hair and it grew out nicely the third time, which was last year. No, this year, this year. Um I, I went to a barber because I was going to go off and I thought I'm not going to pay a whole lot of money just to do, you know, a clean shaved head. But my experience with my big chops in a predominantly Caucasian um, hair salon was very positive. I know that's not the experience of many, um, but on the flip side, when it came to blow drying, <laughs> when it came to blow drying and cutting my hair, I had... Uh, you know, while it's still long, while it's still in its kinkiness and, and not at a stage where I've heat damaged it or, or chemically damaged it or whatever, uh, where it was still in its beautiful, lush, natural form, it was very, very difficult to get into a Caucasian um, hair salon and have them sort of cut it the way I want to in the length and still you know, maintain the length that I had and then blow dry it and not fry it, you know, or not uh, ask me, do you rather want to to chemically straighten it, you know? So I've had that experience when it comes to, you know, uh, when it comes to um, having bigger curly hair that they, that they couldn't necessarily handle. And 
um, I think it's it's a it's 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 very rare that you find a hairstylist that is Caucasian that will take the time that will take the time because it takes time to sit and discuss with the 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 client and say what it is what is it that you want how do you want me to handle your hair the respect that goes with that not just I'm sitting in your hair and you're like oh my word what are we going to do with your head mm. you know. Uh, that for me is completely disrespectful. You do not treat a client that way. You do not go, Ugh, oh my word, how are we going to handle this? Oh my word, disaster, you know? So I, I also feel like going into quote unquote colored um, hair salons. Yeah. They treat your hair, your scalp differently if you have too curly mm. yeah. or it's like almost, it, 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 and it feeds into that sort of narrative that black people can't feel pain. Yeah, correct. So if, if you in the, if you go into the salon and they start washing your ears, like they, they hurt your ears. Yeah. They like, they very put it and they like, they're very really like rough with it. Rough. Yeah, and and um, and it and it goes it goes along the, with the story that when you were little, ah man, your mother combed your hair like this, so you must be used to it. No, actually not. My mother cared for my hair properly, and she tenderly brushed my hair when when you know when she could. Other times when it was just you know, <laughs> well, I'm sure my son has a lot to say about <laughs> <It> was, that. <laughs> you know, it was just totally unforgivable hair. It's like, then, then it's a different story. But I mean, like you say, it's very true. It's very true what you're saying, that we 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 seem to be more prone to to pain and, and we can handle pain as black women because we, we've come through it, you know, so I must my handle your head like that. No, no, it's it's unacceptable. We shouldn't, we shouldn't accept such such treatment. Um, when it comes to when it comes to our hair and our bodies, we just shouldn't accept it at all. We can get up, not pay, go walk out with your wet head, and just say, "I'm I'm not coming to your establishment again." It's a lot, man. But anyway, we've unpacked a certain point of what it means to be black and brown within having hair. It's amazing. He can like mm-hmm. give you such an insight into what it means to be black or brown. Yeah. Um, and, and, we, and, we can, and we can go back to, to Zuleika we started with. And I mean, that made such a huge impact in a lot of us that uh, uh, brought up a lot of things for me. I, I mean, in 2016, it was Fees it was Must Fall and, you know, everything else was happening. And... Uh, I was then already a staff member at a university and um, and I thought back and I was like, oh my word, like all these young people are being so militant in their stance for for their identities, you know, and it sort of woke me up to say that, hello, 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 click a bit, you know, Mm -hmm. click a bit, like there's, there's this, there's this fight that's happening and, and it's stuff that, that we have been battling as children, like you, like you say, into the space that you moved into and, and you were already, you know, told we don't do ethnic care and you, you've had those experiences 
you know, and we couldn't voice it because we didn't know how to to sort of articulate ourselves in that in in, in that battles. But then you look at Zuleika, for instance, and her identity connected to her her hair, even though she's not just that. There's so many other things to her. Her activism is so broad in education, in feminism, in you know. Um, her activism for black people, you know, all of that, um, something as simple as hair, you know, something as simple as hair gave her this voice to say that actually I'm not going to tolerate any anything further. And we can we can tackle, we can tackle capitalism, we can tackle sexism, we can tackle racism, we can tackle classism, all of it we can tackle with just the one topic of hair. Yeah. You know, we can tackle when when Kim Kardashian says, um, you know, here's, here's something new. I've got, you know, the rice water rinse for your hair. Oh, my no! God. Honey, the Japanese have done that for decades, you know, for thousands of years. They've done it, you know, the hair. And and, and obviously, natural naturalistas have adapted those. But we, we, we give... We give credit to those who started it first. We don't just go on and say, you know, like, yeah, you know, follow my blog. I just found mm. out this new thing. You know, I thought, why not put a rice water on my hair? You know, it's that sort of thing. The conversations that we that we can have when we speak about hair, that we can speak about appropriation and cultural Absolutely. appropriation, and you know, gaining financially when you have. Absolutely nothing to do with the initial idea, you know. So, yeah, hair is so simple. Uh, there's a saying. Do you know that saying that, that kind of people have? What? A haunt kakara. What? You know? so, yes. <laughs> so I've there's a saying like, that. yeah, so, so when, so it's basically say there's nothing special about yeah, when, when someone speaks about Oh, I get it. <laughs> I've got, you know, my hair's khalai, you know, my edges and all it of that. It must be a PE but, thing. I've never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Kryptonians <laughs> say it, but yeah, in PE, it's, 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 a, it's a thing when, you know, when you're told, oh, yeah, why can't you have nice hair like that? And you're like, ah, oh, oh, here's my just hair, man. But it's also not, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. like it's it's not just here, but it is just here. Yeah, you know, um, this it's so complex. So it complex. is. It's so complex, and I think we've done a good job of unpacking at least a bit of it. I um, hope so. Yeah, I hope so. And I and I, I, I know there's there's still a lot of uh, there's a like I like I said at the beginning, you know, um, this is just my sort of experience of my journey with my hair and those that I've come into contact with. The the story about hair is very broad. It's very complex. Um, many people have tackled it in different ways, and and we respect them for for their journeys. You know, um, this is just my journey with 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 natural hair and and reverting back to it and going away from it and then coming back and you know it's that sort of thing. It's your personal journey, um, but just like. The nuances and the things that's connected to, to our hair. Yeah. So I know. So I know we can't tackle every single battle that everyone faces with natural hair or just 
or not, or, or some people will just say, no, but I'm not part of the natural hair movement. This is just my hair. And that's completely oh, wait, fine. I think that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's completely fine. That If you wear your hair in some curly way and, and you don't want to label it as anything, that is completely fine too. You don't, we don't have to label everything, but there mm. are some labels that, that we sort of want. So mm. because we want to have ownership, we want to be part of something. True. Mm. Especially if it's yeah. so definitive of your lived experience. Yeah. And um, I think the last thing that I want to take on is just like something that I think every every single person within having kinky coils, locks, whatever. I want to end off with what not to do. And that is mm. don't touch it. Mm. It's yeah. not even it's the launch so nicely said don't touch my head. Don't touch don't my head. My head. Oh, child. <laughs> It's not karaoke night, unfortunately. But, um, <laughs> but don't touch my hair. Um, yeah. Like, and it's not, don't touch me. Don't do anything. It's yeah. respect me. Respect. I'm not going to come space. to you as a blonde woman and be like, oh my God, look at this. Okay, look, okay, wait, okay, wait, okay, wait. Let me also just say that I do know of a friend of ours, myself and my partner. Um, he went to, I don't know if it was China or the Philippines, somewhere over there in Asia. And yeah. it was the first, it, it, it seemed like it was the first time that they had ever seen a white, tall man from Norway who yeah. has this blonde, blonde hair, blue, blue eyes. Yeah. And eyes. all they yeah. wanted to do was like touch him and feel him and like, yeah. whoa, what the heck is this? Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm trying to like marry the two. But the thing is, there's a difference though. There's yes. a difference though. There's a difference when, when cultures aren't exposed to you um, blatantly yes. through media. And then there's this other side where where you constantly see black hair or afros and and kiki hair and locks. You see it in 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 media, um, mostly negative, mostly negative. Because remember, there's a negative connotation to to our our our, our bodies and our hair in in broad media. Um, but then it's also sort of um, appropriated into you know. Uh, mainstream media and made to be you know something else completely different so yes so yes there, there's definitely that there's definitely that but there is this fine line where there's exposure and there's absolutely no exposure to, to different cultures you know so yeah I I, I, I I get that completely what you're right saying. yeah and so if you live in South Africa you are definitely exposed <laughs> To yes. the majority of the people who live in this country, yeah. We exist, yeah, yeah. This is Not our land, honey. Yeah. You see us in the streets, in the shops, in the coffee shops. You the employ malls, us. Everywhere. Yeah. 
and then so, one changes, but that's another topic. But yeah, and so <laughs> explain the concept of "Don't touch my hair," though. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a lot of people think it's just "Don't," you know, "Don't touch my hair." I don't. I don't feel like you should touch it. But for me, if someone just walks up to me and rab- randomly like grabs my hair, it feels like I have no. I have no say over my own body. I have no say over my own space. I, you feel like I belong to you, that you have some sort of ownership over, over me then. Um, I'm very big on consent. So ask me, ask me. Sometimes I'll say yes, mostly I'll say no. But I've had experiences where, where people would just grab and you, and you, you know, we always say, you know, we'll go in and say, oh, Karen, don't touch my hair, you know, like, but no, you're so shook because autonomy was taken away from you, you know, your, 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 the ability to go, please stop, don't do that, you invaded my space, was taken from you so easily that you go into shock and you stand there and a lot of us will say, and I've done it, I've done it where I said, Same. can you please not do that, that's rude, it's disrespectful, don't do that, but there's moments where you are so engaged in this conversation and you may be just walking through the mall and you're thinking about you're going to make for supper and all of a sudden you feel a hand in your hair. Um, it's, it's like I said earlier on, it's a violent act towards me because then you make me feel like I don't have control. I hate not having control over my own body. You are making me feel like I have no control over my own space and then secondly I don't know where your hands were like I (laughs) spent time cleaning my hair and now your dirty hands are all over my hair you know so um so yeah that's that's my thoughts that's my thoughts on on don't touch my hair I want to Um, even and don't and don't be offended when I say no and that's like also that 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 shook feeling, right? Yeah. You shook to the point of paralyzation. Mm. That you don't always get it out to say, "What are you doing?" Doing, yeah. And people think it's like, oh, "I'm just touching your hair. Like yeah. I'm not doing anything to you. I'm just touching your hair." Mm. And I want to extend this to our children. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yes. My son has a beautiful big afro and people love to touch it Mm. and I'm not always there because he lives in two houses you know because I'm not with his father and things like that so I can't protect him from what happens there but yeah I try my best to protect him when he's with me and I feel like sometimes I don't do my job in doing that because and it's not just white people it's Chinese people too yeah um who come in and oh my goodness you he's so cute and then they touch him and I'm standing right there and then it's like oh it's so cute and then they look up to me like this is adorable and I'm just like straight face Mm. and I'm thinking one what are you doing Mm. second thing I'm thinking I want to cuss you out but yeah I don't want to embarrass my child. Exactly. Exactly. 
I don't want to be that quote unquote parent. Yeah. I don't, I feel like you've taken power from me to protect my child of saying that yeah. your boundaries mm. are yours to execute. And because you are a child, people feel that they can come into your space. And yes. I didn't say to you or say to them, stop. And because I'm so shook by it also, mm-hmm. and, I'm, I, and I don't like, I'm not shook to the point where I'm just like, oh, hey, Kiki and whatever. Yeah. I'm yeah. shook like I look at them and yeah. I'm like, don't approach me. And so that's yeah. what I can give in that moment because I don't yeah. want my son to be victimized also. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Like, like, like I think it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with. And, and I get it. I get it. Our hair is beautiful. I get it. Damn, we've got gorgeous hair. We are as much as people want to put negative connotations to, to beautiful natural hair. They want to touch it because it's beautiful. And they want to know, is this real? Is it a wig? It's interesting. Or, you know, I, I get that. I get that. But you still have to respect the person who wears that hair. You know, it all comes down to respect and consent and, and asking. And, damn, if I don't want you to touch my, touch my hair or my child's hair. And, I mean, I've, I've, I've got experience within my family with kids that, Nope, don't, no, don't touch it, you know. And, and for me, that's, that's a good indication of who that child will be. It's not rudeness. It's not rudeness. That child is taking control over their own space and their own body and going, don't touch it, you know. Right. So I have faith that those who are growing, growing up with natural hair, within their brown and their black bodies, that they are going to take ownership over themselves, over their bodies, autonomy, you know. Um, and we will we will we'll get away from this thing where where we seen as zoo creatures. Because that's the only thing I can link it to. Mm. Yeah, I, like it's the only thing you wanna touch that panda in the zoo because it's so beautiful and so precious and cute and whatever. But you can't. That thing is there and they don't belong in zoos. I hate zoos. But, you know, that's another reason why don't pet me because I'm not an animal yes. that belongs in a cage. Yes. No. So it's, it's, all of, it's all of those connotations to it. So when someone says to and I think those who are listening that do not have natural hair, that don't have kinky coils and afros and locks and all of that if you do not have it and you see someone with it do not touch their hair don't get offended when we say we don't want you to touch our hair it's our space it's still our bodies we still have ownership over it you know and don't get offended don't feel offended by it I'm not going to go up to you and pull on your ears and say oh interesting ears Oh, look at your earlobes, you know. It's it's weird. It's weird. I'm not going to go tug on a stranger's ears. Don't tug on my hair. It's the same concept. I'm not going to go tug on your nose. 
And the thing is, we also have to take history into context where we are being oppressed because of our hair. So it's not just hair, it's because we are being oppressed by it. And so we, and and we've been put into human zoos because of how we look. And so that is it. And you don't, you still to this day don't want to accept that that is the history that you have. So consider the fact that we are still oppressed and we don't like it and we don't want it. Stop it. Yeah. And if you want to, and if you have that relationship, ask. Ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. I've said to many friends already, yes, touch it. It's fine. I know you. I know you. We have a relationship. And once you touch it, you need to tell me why you touched it. Mm. I want to know. I want to know why you you want it so badly. What did you learn from that experience? What did you, and it's like, oh, it's so soft. What did you think it was going to be? You know, like it's, it's all those conversations, which are, which is weird, awkward conversations that you have, but then that teaches your friend not to go do it to another person. If they cannot have that awkward, weird conversation with you, when you say, yes, you're my friend, touch my hair, but why did you do it? If because you awkward then feel, reveals, awkward reveals that you have internalized. Racism. A lot of things. A lot of things. So, so, so that's that's my stance on on the whole touching of hair and touching mm-hmm. kids' hair and all of that. It, 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 it all goes back to consent and respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's a good way to end it off. Awesome. thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It was absolutely beautiful and enlightening. And I want to say, like, you know, I'm so grateful to people like you who take the knowledge that you have learned because we grow up. Let's not forget that we still live in a racist society. Internalized racism within our communities is rife. And so to break out of this and to create movements out of yeah. our learnings it's it's hard and you get judged for it and all of these yeah. things so i want to give you props for that babe thank you so much i thank you so this. much and um I, I did too yeah thank you for the opportunity to you know to take the conversation further than just you know what we perceive the natural hair movement to be and many others have have used the experience, you know, to speak about um, their journeys within the movement. And, you know, the movement's got different branches and we respect all these branches. And, um, yeah, so so thank you for, for, for sharing mine. Yeah, I, I appreciate, I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. And, I, and I hope, you know, we've helped someone, you know, who's been thinking about doing this or, or who is in it, but, you know, uh, some turmoil that they, that they, yeah, yeah, and and also for anybody else who's interested in the experiences of mm-hmm. someone without with or outside of their culture, to be like, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. Um, I'm yeah. going to try and do better for myself, and I, and I and 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 that's what I really hope for. And and also within our own communities to be like, definitely. <laughs> Don't use this, the oppressor's tool to oppress each other. Yeah. Oh, yes. Definitely. Cal, thank you so much. 
for coming towards the quarantine. Um, everybody, please follow Kel's uh, page, which is, let me get it right, <laughs> Coco Butter Coils, with a C, yes. Coils. I said oils earlier. Coils. <laughs> Uh, follow um, the handle on Instagram and I'm sure you'll be able to find everything else from there. Um, we, there's so many movements doing the things, but I think um, Cal's one is pretty cool because it's inclusive as um, she's explained. And I love that. I love that. We're all about inclusivity in what's the quarantine. And so Cal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Han. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Toodles. Thank you.